All right, welcome to this edition of Inside Michigan Business. We've got Ryan Landau, founder of Purpose Jobs. Ryan, we've got you on because you are on the leading edge, sometimes the bleeding edge, whatever it may be, <laughs> of, of employment, of hiring, firing, uh, you know, all the transactions going on in the HR sector, really, to uh, bring on new people. And what's interesting, most of all to us, and I'll tee this podcast up this way, you know, it, it's a bellwether, what you do is a bellwether for really how the tech sector in general is doing in any given region. Of course, we're focused on what's going on here in the Midwest, in particular Michigan. But welcome to Inside Michigan Business. Thrilled to have you. Cool. Jeff, thank you for having me. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of action to talk about, which has happened over the last, let's call it two couple of years. Well, there is indeed. And you've got a successful startup, if you will, of your own, no longer really a startup, now a very successful company, Purpose Jobs. First, tell us about you and the company. You're originally from Michigan. Yeah, originally from Michigan. When I graduated from Michigan State, I immediately left and immediately left and moved to D.C., not because I didn't like Michigan. Uh, it's just because there was no opportunities in Michigan. And so at that time, yes, at, at right, that time, right. obviously very right. different. Uh, this right. is over 10 years ago <laughs> um, and was in D.C. doing consulting for a while. And then about yeah, roughly 10 or so years ago, heard about Dan Gilbert, all the movement that he was you doing. heard about that guy. I uh, huh? heard about that right. guy. And right. uh, I was like, you know what? I have no idea what I want to do, but I want to be a part of this movement. Isn't and specifically, that cool? Yeah. Being a part of like rebuilding your hometown. And so like, how cool could that be? And so ended up moving back, which is crazy to say about oh, over 10 years ago now. You know, that's the intangible force of Dan Gilbert. The fact that he was so committed and so dedicated. And then, then beyond that, so capable, obviously, then with the resources he had, the connections he had, the power he amassed over the years of his, as a result of his success, to be able to make change in Detroit. And man, what a cool thing to be part of. Yeah, totally. I mean, he was able to do that with his companies. Um, but I also think that is a sign of a true leader, people that have influence Absolutely. on others and, 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 and inspires others. Yeah, and it wasn't just about building a great company for his own benefit. He really did look at the broader, obviously, the broader community picture here and what a change maker he's been, game changer, however you want to say it. Uh, he has been just that. So let's talk about this first. You have a focus on the Midwest. It's not just Michigan-centric. Purpose Jobs really looks to the Midwest largely as your focus with respect to providing jobs, providing opportunity for people. But tell us about your focus and what you're doing today. Yeah, so we started Purpose Jobs about five years ago now. And initially, Jeff, it was actually all about how do we really revitalize the city of Detroit, the startup and tech scene. But then what we quickly noticed literally within six months of focusing on Detroit, it was like the same story that's happening in Detroit is happening in Indianapolis, is happening in Columbus. And so we were like, we love Detroit because that is our hometown, but let's wrap our arms around the whole region and really try to elevate, you know, the middle of the country, bringing more opportunities to more people. And hence, five years later, Purpose Jobs were one of the largest startup and tech communities in the Midwest with about, you know, 50,000 members, a, a part of our community. Now, if I were to ask you when you said, you know, the, what was happening in Detroit was also present in Columbus and other yeah. Indianapolis and so on. What was it? What was the story then? And then we'll get to what the story is now. Yeah, I think all of these emerging markets, and I'll just categorize them as that, have a similar story. They are really trying to reinvent themselves. Maybe they were into industrial or other mm -hmm. industries and really trying to think over the last five, 10 years, how can they reinvent themselves to compete with the San Francisco's, uh, the New York's of the yeah. world and things like that. Traditionally and, more part of a Rust Belt economy totally. or a manufacturing type economy, moving away from that into the, the modern era, if you will, where it's all the action is in business today. And that's in tech, right? 
Exactly. And trying to think about, all right, these coastal cities are really the epicenters of like where things start up in tech is, but how can we have our own, you know, identity in the middle of the country, not be a New York in the middle of the country, but be a Columbus with our own, you know, value system and, and own value adds there. And it's been, it's been interesting to see all of the cities are very different, but have very similar trends. And honestly, Jeff, people are like really passionate about the Midwest. They are. You know, and I feel that too. I, like you, went away for a few years. I happened to, I went all the way out west to California, had some good few years in (laughs) Santa Monica. Uh, You know, you can't beat it for a couple of years, two, three years, but I was excited to come home. And once I did come home, you're absolutely right. This is where my passion is. I love this place and you couldn't get me to leave it now, but to a degree, like, like you, like Dan, like others, you know, uh, the community no doubt needs improvement and enhancement and our individual passions to extend beyond our own businesses and really have more of a global, if you will, community view on improving the whole ecosystem. And you certainly are focused on that. Now, Purpose Jobs, tell us specifically who you do business with, who you serve. Yeah. So for the last five years, as I was mentioning, we've been really focused on building community in the middle of the country. And so that has been our main focus, elevating it. But economically, how we make money is we run a recruiting marketplace. So that just means there's two sides to it. There's job seekers and then there's employers. It's free for job seekers. Employers pay us a monthly or yearly subscription to help them tell their story, also known as employer branding or hiring. People need to hire great people. And so those are the two things that we help employers with. So if I'm a tech company looking for a software development guy, I come to you, I pay you to have the opportunity to have you help me search for and find, ideally, the right candidate for me. Exactly. And so we help you tell your story in an interesting way, because a lot of the companies that we work with are software and, uh, you know, technology companies, and they're all looking for software engineers. And so, great, you're looking for a software engineer, but so is everyone else. And so we start with the why, like, what is your mission, culture, purpose, things like that, hence our name, Purpose Mm -hmm. Jobs. And then once we focus on like the why and the mission, then we talk about all of the tactical, hey, here are the skill sets you need, here's the compensation, obviously, there needs to be alignment, so the job gets done. And so um, that's how we help companies uh, hire, really, it's it's two, it's two side, we we call ourselves in the, the storytelling and matchmaking business. Okay, good. So that's the bread and butter, nuts and bolts. That's the way the money comes in the door yep. for, for purpose jobs and supports everything else you do. But it's interesting. You lead with this notion of members and membership and community. What is all of that about? Yeah, I, I think for us, what we're trying to do is really build a community around people that have two general interests. One interest in just the middle of the country in the Midwest. And then two is also people that want to work for a company besides just the money. They want to have really purpose connected to it. And so we align with those um, and really try to elevate the, uh, the middle of the country in, in that way. And so I become a member. Why? What am I as a member? What do I get and what's expected of me? Yeah. So I think there's two ways that we work with job seekers specifically. One is if you just want to stay informed. Um, so you want to understand the news, you want to understand uh-huh. who's fundraising and just get a general sense of like what's happening out there. And then the, also the end of the other end of the spectrum is like, hey, I need a job like immediately. Like we help you do that. And once so, I'm a member, exactly. once I'm a member, you've got all my information. It's a fast moving market. If I'm at one pay scale, but I think there's, you know, my buddies are getting a lot more. I can tap in immediately and you could maybe source some better opportunity for me. Totally. If you think about the traditional recruiting landscape out there, there's the monsters, dice, career builders, right. all the, it's very like transactional. What we are trying to do is understand that transaction, but also really build a deep relationship with our job seekers. And yeah. so that's like the main difference is we want to get to know you, whether you're looking for a job 
or even not looking for yeah, a job. Yeah, and I think that's tremendous value add on both sides. I mean, if I'm an employer looking for someone, you know, you can go to job boards, but you don't really know, you know, uh, caveat emptor, buyer beware, right? I mean, I can put <laughs> yeah, anything exactly. I want on that resume. Of course, it's up to me to vet it, check it, you yep. know, and, and do all my due diligence and background checks and so on. But you guys go deeper and you do s at least some of that for the paying employer or candidate employer, you know, for them. So that's, that's a real value add. For sure. We really try to build a relationship between employers and job seekers. Yes, it needs to be on like the tactical sub, make sure compensation, location, skill set, all of that is aligned. But we also try to match based on culture. And the way that we do that is through like a culture assessment. And so really understanding Interesting. Uh, the type of size of company that right. you want to work with, what's your manager, what helps you tick and things like that. And so yeah. kind of like a personality assessment that, yeah. you know, is kind of like old school and back in the right. day, we're kind or, of bringing that together. Kind of, a like, you know, like, kind of like a dating app for the, right? I mean, matchmaking. It's matchmaking. We are yeah. in the same exact business. Exactly. It's a dating app, but in the career space. In the career space. Okay, so I'm curious. It used to be that, you know, I don't know, in the, let's call it 40s, 50s, whatever it may be, maybe <laughs> into the 60s, yeah. you would have a career as a job. Your job would be a career. It was a lifelong kind of commitment. The company committed to you. You committed to the company. Yeah. And you were with the company for your life to you get your pension, whatever it may be, right? So times have changed. What is the average, I'm curious, the average life of a job position these days or, or someone in filling a job position? Yeah. So the world that we work in, um, right, is startup tech, mid-market candidates. So people that have like three to 10 years of experience. So with that lens, we see the average tenure is somewhere around like three to three and a half years. And so wow. um, it has changed from, again, when I was working at IBM a while ago, uh, the average tenure, I think, was like 20 or 30 years. And so <laughs> it's definitely a different world these days. And it was, it was much more than that, typically or traditionally here in this market in the Midwest. You might see people 40, 50 years at a given uh, auto production company, for example. Yeah, 100%. And I also think that was... You know, back then, now just expectations are a little bit different right. from compensation, skill set, what you're you know, doing at your job and things like yeah. that. So, yes, the tenure is shortened, but I think there's a lot of other moving factors. And one of the things driving that today is that those seeking jobs yep. have a lot more leverage today, in totally. part because of the pandemic, but there's other reasons, too. It's kind of heading that way than they ever did before. Is that right? And tell us about that. Yeah, I think culturally, when you think about pay and benefits, I think talking about the 50s, I think all the companies had the leverage. And then what has happened over the last 50 plus years is it's completely flip flop. Now all of the job seekers have the leverage. Um, what is my pay going to be? What is my benefits going to be in companies right now? I think while we're in this kind of, let's just call it post-COVID, I'm not sure where we are in the world right now. Isn't that uh, right? Yeah, we're, 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 we're still, we're still in a, we're still trying to figure that out. Right? Yeah. So yeah. I think companies are flexing their muscle, meaning they are still figuring out their pay benefits around not what they think is best, but around what around job seekers think is yeah. best. And yes, so yes. Um, the, the leverage has shifted to the job seeker. Really interesting. While we're on the subject matter of the pandemic, the pandemic has created a lot of you know changes, obviously. I heard someone on uh, CNBC the other day say the pandemic was the greatest force in speeding up time as totally. it relates to business and trends in business and so on than any other thing in our recent memory. That was an interesting way to put it. And it really did in, in many ways, whether it's companies going online, yep. moving away from physical stores, it all sped up, you know, the, the delivery companies that were <laughs> on their way to delivering our food yep. and groceries and so on. It just accelerated all of that. 
What else in the job market specifically? How else is it impacted? I think in the job market, what has generally changed is two things. One, the expectations from job seekers of what they're looking to get out of their job. And I mean that like emotionally. And I also mean that on like, hey, what are the benefits that they're trying to get? Uh, You know, the tactical benefits from an employer. I think job seekers, let's just talk about the expectations have changed. Um, One is job seekers want to work for a company that has a vision, mission, purpose that they align with. Yes. Um, They want to work at a company that values work-life balance. Yes. um, And they also want to work at a company that values, you know, them being involved in their community. And so does that mean an NGO? Does that mean uh, getting involved in their local neighborhood? I think job seekers are looking for a more dynamic approach rather than just like, hey, my job is my job and that's it. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? And they're demanding that not only in their job and their own experience, therefore, that they'll have as a result of taking that job at that given company, but consumers, those seeking employment, et cetera, we're looking to companies now to be a lot more than those that are just driving, you know, it used to be you're measured by your profits, right? And your growth of your stock yeah. value. You know, the nuts and bolts still count, still matter, of course, but a lot more matters today than ever before. And that you touched on this purpose and values. What does this company stand for? Do I align with what this company stands for? Yep. Do I feel good about the management, the leadership and what they stand for? at the business. That's interesting. A lot of that's been forced by the pandemic. Totally. I think the the pandemic, what I would say, didn't only just like force those things. I think it just accelerated. accelerated. So I, I think those things were going to end up happening anyways. But I think in a matter of a 10 year period, they just happened in a 24 month period where everything just got accelerated. Um, compensation, location, skill sets, all of these things that job seekers are looking yeah. for these days. So let's talk about other things on the heels of the pandemic, at least hopefully. For example, the the huge issue, I think the big one is work from home or work from the office. Yeah. Some people I I know are just demanding that I will not look at a job unless it's at least a hybrid opportunity. And some are demanding pure work from home, period. And they're getting it right now. That may change, probably will change. But I think the notion of hybrid probably isn't going to change. Do you think? Yeah, it's interesting. So we're just at the beginning of like Q2 right now. And we work, um, just to give some perspective, about 300 employers um, in the Midwest and also across the country. And I think if I had to give you an answer, what majority of our employers are thinking about, and again, giving you the lens of the Midwest startup and tech scene, um, is I think companies are still, which is interesting to know, are still in a TBD phase of like, how is this all going to pan out? Are we taking a hard right stance and saying we're all remote? Are we taking a hard left stance and saying everyone needs to be in the office five days a week? Um, I think companies are still trying to figure it out. What, if I had to take a guess, and uh, I don't want to bet too much money on this, but like what I would say is I think it's going to be somewhere in the middle. Is It's yeah. not five days. It's not fully remote. Right, right. Um, and then in this hybrid world, and I don't even know what that word means anymore, um, I think there's a lot of ways to tackle that. And we, and we hear companies with all different approaches in this kind of like hybrid form. Yeah. I think too, that a lot of that and how that'll ultimately shake out that being, you know, do you work from the office? Do you work from home? Or is it a hybrid environment? I think that a lot of that will be impacted by the labor market and the leverage that they have right now. There's a lot of demand on that, but as that begins to decay, uh, things are going to change, right? That all the employers will change their policies and their approach to all of this. Look, there's a mixed bag too. A lot of companies learn that they can be very productive with people from home. They can actually be more efficient, perhaps even more profitable, you know, yet to be determined ultimately. But I think they're seeing signs of that. Some, some companies, this obviously fits some companies better than others. So at the same time, you're seeing that there's also the argument that 
I can't be as creative as a company, mm-hmm. innovative, productive, without my team being together and present and having that team camaraderie and that interaction and, you know, the magic that happens when we're together and we're on a whiteboard, yeah. for example, you know, right? T- totally. I mean, I would say the most quote unquote hybrid style that we're hearing about is, okay, you don't need to be in the office five days a week. You need to be in the office, you know, two, three days a week. That is like one option that we hear. And then we also hear of this like hub and spoke model. Um, So let's say you're a Detroit based startup and tech company. Um, Instead of hiring just in Detroit, you're willing to hire within like a four or five hour radius. So people can drive in and do that collaborative whiteboarding or, or whatever you're talking about from that perspective. So I think that's interesting because I, I agree with you. There's advantages of, you know, being focused and dialed in, but obviously there's a lot of distractions at home. Um, but there's also advantages of, you know, doing what we're doing. We're sitting, you know, two feet away from each other right now. Yeah. I know uh, one thing that's interesting, and this is both, uh, well, I mean, this falls right in your bailiwick in a couple of ways, positively and negatively. And that is that a lot of people are also looking, instead of going back to work, that this is a great opportunity for me to take a shot at a startup. Right. Are you seeing a lot of that? Yeah, yeah. I, I think what we hear, which is interesting and startup is such like an interesting word um, is startup a small company, is startup a big company. We also talk about startup as is more as a form of like a just a mentality, um, right? Willing to be entrepreneurial, um, willing to kind of push the status quo. And maybe you can even do that at a big company. And so what I think one of the values, and so we we survey our job seekers a lot. One of the main values that we heard from our job seekers of what they are looking for in their next company, um, besides all the benefit stuff that we just chatted about, uh, is this word of stability. Because during the pandemic, during that 24-month period, so many people got laid off. There was so much uncertainty. And so they value, am I going to a company that is stable? Am I going to a company that is like comical to say making money um, Mm -hmm. because that's like pretty basic form of business. Mm -hmm. Um, Am I working for a company that has good leadership? So I think stability um, is a key thing that employers are thinking about and mostly job seekers are thinking about as they join their next company for not their career, but for their next journey. Yeah. Let's go around the horn a bit here in the Midwest and talk now about (laughs) what's happening and who's happening and where it's happening. Start with Ann Arbor. It's a really amazing market little hotbed of innovation and and startups and, you know, and tech and and all the rest. You tell us, what are you seeing in Ann Arbor? Yeah, so I think actually Ann Arbor, if if we just focus on Ann Arbor for a second, I I think it's a great example of what's happening in a lot of Midwest cities. And so Ann Arbor gave birth to this company called Duo Security. Doug Song, Song, who's a a great leader, visionary, and ended up, I think the number is $3 billion. Uh, They ended up selling it for billions of dollars to Cisco. Um, and then what happened from that? There was a ripple effect. Um, a lot of people made a decent amount of money. Obviously, the leadership made a lot of money. And what's happening is people are investing in real estate, going into companies. Those people are now exiting you know, Duo, then it was Cisco, and now starting their own company. So I, I can directly look at Duo and say there's companies like Census. There's companies like Bloomira. Um, there's a variety of companies that have been spun off from Duo. And I think that is a great example when you think about um, exact target in Indianapolis, Salesforce bought them. Uh, there's companies like Lessonly and all other types of companies, um, you know, that happens from an acquisition. And so I think Ann Arbor is a great case study of, uh, let's just call it the ripple effect of an yeah. acquisition. Yeah. Yeah. Having that, I mean, it, it was in, was it Hewlett Packard in Silicon Valley, right? Absolutely. This, that's the effect we're talking about. Totally. Yeah. Once you have that success, first of all, it creates a culture. hundred percent. It's inspiring. Yep. If they can do it, I can do it kind of thing. You know, uh, it shows you that it can be done from start to finish. And then as you say, more money pours into the community and, and it just fosters more of that kind of innovation and 
leading to uh, more success stories, hopefully. Yeah, it just it just speeds up the, let's call it a flywheel of the a community. Right, right, <laughs> um, right. From everything from VC startups yeah. to public, private, you know, partnerships and, and things yeah. like that. Now, it's no coincidence you mentioned a couple of other cities, exactly cities that I want to talk about and focus on. Yeah. Let's go next to Indianapolis. Cool, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, what's going on there? Yeah, Indianapolis. So we, we have just dipped our toe in, in Indianapolis, but um, I, I think there's a couple things. One, like I was mentioning before, Exact Target is a big part of that story because they were acquired by Salesforce, which is a dominant player. And so now I believe Salesforce has a thousand plus person, you know, organization there and office there. And so what does that do? You know, Salesforce is able to employ a thousand people. They pay them really well. That goes into local restaurants, shops, real estate, and things like that. Um, we also see, I think this was about six months ago, a company called Lessonly um, was also purchased for hundreds of millions of dollars um, from another San Francisco company and stuff like that. And so I think, uh, again, it has the Indianapolis, Columbus, Detroit, Ann Arbor region, they, they all have these very similar, they're all different companies, but all similar vibes and what's, what's yeah. happening there. Yeah. And I think a place that on the one hand, given my maize and blue blood, yeah. I have trouble talking <laughs> about, but on the other hand, I applaud and herald this place, amazing city, Columbus. You know, it's really, I think... Columbus might be the most dynamic and active. Is that right? Yeah, it's interesting to say, and, and me, uh, it doesn't hurt me to say this because I'm from Detroit, um, but, uh, you know, Columbus is, is our probably our biggest market by far. There we go. Um, and, yeah. and I think that's for a couple reasons. One, they just have a very active, you know, startup scene. The private and public um, you know, partnership. There's an organization called Jobs Ohio, which is focused on business attraction um, in starting up new jobs in Ohio has been extremely successful. They just attracted a huge company, aka called uh, Intel, um, uh -huh. to, yeah. to, to um, and, and I think Intel is investing billions of dollars in, in the city of, of Columbus. And that creates real jobs and real opportunity for yeah. people. And so and, it's amazing. And an, an employment base of skilled people that they'll help bring there and provide initial jobs for and to. But then ultimately they may spin off and look for either other jobs from other tech companies, burgeoning tech companies in the community, or they may start one of their own. A hundred, I mean, talk about a flywheel. A hundred percent. You see all of these, uh, I don't want to call it legacy companies, but older companies like Nationwide in a Columbus. People leave these in huge insurance companies, and then they start up these you know, modern insurance companies called Root, Lower.com, and things right. like that. So right, there's exactly. a really direct correlation. And also there's a lot of, uh, I don't call it money, but there's a lot of venture money there. I think Drive Capital is one of the big players in Columbus. Yeah. They have a billion-plus-dollar fund. Those are all ex-Sequoia people, which Sequoia is a venture fund in San Francisco. And they were like, hey, we see this opportunity. I think I believe they call it the heartland. And so right. they're, they're naming it the, the Silicon Heartland. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Columbus is really an amazing place. It's it really rocking. Is. It's yeah. rocking. It really is. All right, hats off to Columbus. Now, what about Detroit? What's happening right in our backyard here? Yeah, right, right in our backyard, I think Detroit has... It's interesting what's going on. And I think led by, you know, Rocket Mortgage, Dan Gilbert and stuff like that from a fintech perspective, they have a lot going on. And so I, I do think a lot centers around, you know, Dan and their FOC family of companies. But, yep. you know, they just made a huge acquisition to a company called uh, Truebill and stuff like that for a few billion dollars. Um, and so I think when you think about fintech, um, there's a lot of opportunity that's happening, you know, surrounded by them, but specifically in, this, in the city of Detroit. I think it'll be interesting to see if the momentum that, you know, with Dan and all of his energy, yeah. you know, over the last five, 10 years, whatever it may be. But now uh, we'll see, you know, uh, where this all goes, because he's got to stay out in front and be that leader and figurehead that inspires people, you know, to believe and to be part of it and to jump on board. So far, we're seeing a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of his presence still. 
For sure. I, I think he and all his actions that he's done over the last 10 years will be influential for like the next 10 years. And so I, I think for Detroit, I think part one is the COVID kind of slowed it down for a couple of years, but I think it's going to come back and rebound in a big way. Yeah. Detroit Venture Partners and yeah. what they're doing downtown. Of course, they've got a real winner in their portfolio now in StockX. Yep. I mean, that is the one you wait and you dream of, right? And it, it seems to be uh, very dynamic and exciting and fast growth kind of company. Certainly, it's consumer facing, so we all know about it. Yep. Are you seeing a lot of activity there? Yeah, I think Detroit Venture Partners and, uh, you know, led by Jake Cohen and, and their yeah. team down there, I, I think is doing guys, like yeah. amazing things. They, they also have another company, which I guess I'll throw it out there and put a bet out there. There's another company called Signal Advisors, which is in the fintech space, working with advisors and stuff like that. Does not have the same sexiness and appeal as a consumer kind of tech right. like a, a StockX stock and stuff yeah. like that. But I think I think that could be another big one. And of course, Jason Rasnick had a great success with Benzinga recently. Yeah, really absolutely. Exciting. And so uh, I think Benzinga is doing really cool things. And it's also like Dan calls it like, how do we tie all of these threads together? So maybe these companies are focused on different industries, but how can they all leverage each other? And, and I think that's the one thing that Dan and those companies have done down there is like, hey, yes, we are all building our own independent company, but I do believe there is a there is a feeling about how can we all support each other? How can we make sure that all of these companies are successful and, and not just one? And of course, you mentioned venture capital earlier. Venture capital, obviously, is the fuel for all these companies. I mean, of course, angel investing maybe earlier, but yep. then venture to follow on. You know, Michigan has had a lot of focus on bringing dollars to the state yep. for obvious reason. How's all that going from your perspective? I think it's going well. And, and, and I think what I would say the biggest change in the Midwest, and this is not so much a Detroit comment, this is just like a Midwest as a general, is I think five years ago, the Midwest was excited about the Midwest. Um, but now fast forward to where we are today is there's a lot of people excited about the Midwest. And so I think uh, I'll talk about some of our numbers, um, right? 70% of our community, 65% of our community is in the Midwest. And now 35, 30% uh, of our community is actually living in San Francisco, New York, wow. wanting to get involved wow. in the Midwest. And wow. so you see organizations, not only just job seekers, but companies like or organizations like a Revolution Ventures that is investing not only just in Detroit, but investing in other emerging tech markets. Yep. I think, uh, Jeff, that's been the biggest change is like, it's not only we're on the bandwagon, but we have a lot of steam pushing us, you know, behind yeah. for, from other, uh, you know, market. That's really encouraging. That's interesting to me. The people in San Francisco, for example, Absolutely. are now looking, not, not everybody, but, you know, there, there's a meaningful percentage that now are looking to establish themselves in the Midwest. And of course, I don't want to do the sell here, but it makes all the sense in the world. You've got the lower cost of living. We all know yep. about the quality of life. People don't, it may not, we may not have the ocean at our back door. We certainly have the Great Lakes. It's a great way of life here. Uh, the Midwest values and all the rest that go with it. It's worth putting up with a January and February yeah, weather it's, for sure. It's a little chilly. It might make sense to get on a plane. Yeah, for those exactly. Moments. You can travel. But yeah, right. you can get out there. But uh, yeah, so so that's our job seeker community. Is you know five years ago it was all Midwest, and now it's thirty percent is living on coastal cities. But this is another like interesting stat I would throw out there. Again, this is just us. Half of our revenue is from Midwest companies. Now the other fifty percent of our revenue is from coastal city companies wanting to tap into the middle of the country, wow. into that talent pool. Because, like you said, lower cost of living. There's some big opportunities for Midwest companies, but also coastal uh, co uh, companies to hire in the middle of the country. Really interesting, Ryan. Can't thank you enough for helping us put perspective on all of this. <laughs> uh, you know, this being the leading edge, yeah. as I said when we started the show, the times the bleeding edge. But at least right now, in these days. All the activity going on. These are really exciting times for 
tech in general, certainly Midwest in particular. And we thank you for all the good work you're doing to help us build community here, build awareness. You guys do a great job of it, Ryan. Cool. Well, we appreciate that. And it's just the beginning. All right. That wraps up this episode of the Inside Michigan Business Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to receive programming notifications and special event announcements by going to InsideMichiganBusiness.com. Follow us on your favorite social media platform and wherever podcasts are downloaded. Thank you for listening.